On today's Murder, She Wrote podcast, a mother and daughter gets accused of murder. Both are covering for each other, but did they actually do it? Well, let's find out. Hello, and welcome to the Murder Show Podcast, where I watch every single episode of the hit 80s slash 90s show, Murder Show starring Big-Time Academy Award nominee and Blackton Tony Award winner Miss Angela Lansbury. Today, we're going to be talking about Season 2, Episode 4, School for Scandal, Air Date... October 25th, 1985. Boy, oh boy, the synopsis reads, A mother and daughter become involved in a murder. Jessica must look between the lines to discover the truth and who murdered the person. Very, very interesting episode. Very interesting episode. Alright, as always, I'm your host, Donald Craig II, but I like to be called DJ Craig. It's listed like that on Spotify. I don't know why. In other places, but I like to be called DJ Craig, not Donald. Um, as always, I spoil everything there is to spoil about the episode, the murder of the suspects, everything in between. If you have not recently seen this episode, um, and you own the DVDs like I do, get out your season two disc set, insert disc one into your DVD player. This is the last episode on that disc. If you do not own the, the DVDs like I do, have no fear. You can watch the episode for free. One of three ways. Seasons 1 through 5 is currently streaming on IMDb TV app, which is now, its name has been changed to Freebie. I do not know why. All 12 seasons are currently available to stream on the Roku channel. Limited partial interruption as well as the four TV movies that preceded Murder, She Wrote when it ended in 1996. And currently, again, all 12 seasons are available to stream on NBC's Peacock app with limited commercial interruption. Alright, happy Mother's Day, belated Mother's Day, I know. Um, I was going to record an episode um, and release it on Mother's Day, this episode actually, because it's a perfect episode for Mother's Day, and we'll get into why. Um, but I hope everyone had a wonderful Mother's Day, and to all the mothers out there who may be listening... Um, I hope that you had a wonderful day and that your children love and respect you. Um, also, if you happen to not have children and you have, um, dogs, happy Mother's Day to you. Um, if you are a single father and you are both mother and father to your children, happy Mother's Day to you as well. <laughs> um, but anyway, I just, I hope everyone had a wonderful Mother's Day. It, it was a good day. And currently, right now, down here in Kentucky, where I live, um, we're, we have 80-degree weather. Today, it was so hot, I had to turn my air conditioning on, which is, the, which, it's May, and it's not even the first official day of summer, and I had to put my air on because it was so freaking hot up here. 
I live in an upstairs apartment, so it's always more hot up here than it is downstairs. Which is fine, because when you're upstairs, nobody bothers you. So, so I'm good. I'm good with that. Overall, um, before we get into it, I just want to say I love, I like this episode. Um, it's really interesting, and the killer is very interesting. I can't wait to talk about it. Um, so let's get into it. So we start off this episode at a college campus. Um, unlike the other episodes, I do not know where this episode is set. Um, at one point someone mentions getting, getting a train to Boston or, and coming from New York to go to a party, which I'll talk about that here in a minute. So I'm thinking Connecticut. I don't know. I'm not good at geometry. I really wasn't in school, so I don't really know exactly where this is supposed to be. Also, the majority of the time when Jessica goes to one location to the next, she has a specific reason why she's at this location. Like, she will know someone, or, you know, there's some reason for her to be there, but she doesn't seem to know anyone in this episode. Um, it was not abundantly clear in the episode why she was there. She was giving some sort of commencement speech. And at one point, I think she mentions that she's getting a degree. But according to IMDb, um, it says, Jessica arrives at Crimshaw College to give the commencement speech and receive an honorary degree at the local college. The preceding faculty party is animated by host Dr. Jocelyn Lord's daughter Daphne Clover, who jumps into the pool naked, and her beefy, drunk New York lover Nick Fulton, who knocks down Professor Ron Mercer with one punch. Just the next morning, Jessica finds Nick's corpse under a construction site as if he fell to his death, but that must be staged as he has no dust on his shoes. Local police chief E. Griffin, who knows Jessica from reading her books, arrests Daphne after an anonymous phone call leads to finding a typed blackmail note from Nick and a bloody candlestick in her room. But Jessica convinces him it may have been planted. She checks on the other party goers linked with Nick and each other, leading to two confessions, neither of which she believes. So, I don't know about the whole honorary degree thing, I don't remember that being mentioned in the episode. And I've watched this episode multiple times because I've seen this episode and I did it on my podcast when it was on YouTube. And even when I did that, like I went back and I listened to it and I did not know. And it never once mentions that how Jessica knows any of these people. But anyway, let's get into it. So sorry. So... The episode starts with students sitting on a lawn and a professor, Ron Mercer, is reading paragraphs from Daphne Clover's book. She writes those sleazy romance novels that have become so popular, um, that came became so popular in the 70s and the 80s and are now even more raunchy than they were then, I'm sure. <laughs> Phew. Um... He asks the students, and you can totally tell that this is so not, like, like, the 80s were not a tame time 
where people were so candid about sex. I mean, sex was like more so than anything. And you would think that these like college guys would be all over this, like drooling, like, ooh, read some more. But no, you have a group of calm, cool, collected college kids that are like, oh my God, I can't believe that she's writing such filth. I mean, this does not seem like a typical college response because you see in so many movies that in college they're always trying to have sex. I don't know, never went to college, never had a desire to want to do that because it takes too much time and too much money. And, well, I don't know what I would go to college for, but I never really had the drive to want to go. But anyway, like, and, and more power to you for those out there who are struggling, and, and I hope that you make it through. I really do. I admire people who do stuff like that just because it wasn't for me. I'm not saying that you shouldn't go to college, so don't be misquoting me. I'm just saying college seems complicated. But anyway, like these these students' responses like makes absolutely no sense. I mean, one is like, oh my god, I feel so bad for for Dr. Jocelyn because she's Daphne's mother. She's like, she, he's writing these horrible novels and I just don't understand. And it's like, really? Like, I would think these college boys would be eating this crap up. But unfortunately, no. So meanwhile, we cut to the train station. Jessica rides via train. She's met by, I don't know if they're husband and wife. I don't know if they're mother. They have the same last name. So I'm assuming they're husband and wife, but they act like mother and son. We have Bev Hayward and Henry Hayward. Henry is a professor at the university. I have no idea what Bev does, but they arrive via train to pick Jessica up. Um, they do not act like they particularly know each other, but they say they're very fond of her books. So that's there's that. And they mentioned that Jocelyn is throwing a party for Jessica. We then cut to Jocelyn's house where she is getting everything ready. Ron has gone over to see her and there seems to be a romantic interlude in their relationship. There's another professor there, um, Dr. Egger Kennan, PhD, played by Roddy McDowell. But this makes three now guest stars from the Poseidon Avenger. Sheila Stevens was in the series finale, and Leslie Nielsen was in My Johnny Lies Over the Ocean. He played Akers in the Poseidon Adventure, and he also played the recurring role of Philip in the, the family sketches with, you know, Vicky Lawrence and Carabin. I love those sketches. But anyway, um, he is in this, and he has... A crush on Jocelyn, but for some reason does not seem to express that love towards her. Um, apparently there's a promotion that Ron is up for, and he's talking to Jocelyn after he helps her get down at, like, a really ugly punch bowl, and she begins getting, um, cups out to go with it. And he says, I really deserve that job more than Kagan does, which is Ronnie McDowell. And uh, 
Then there is the doorbell rings. When Jocelyn answers the door, it is her daughter, Daphne. Okay. And her boyfriend, Nick Fulton, who looks like a soap opera star. He probably is. We will find out. They are here unannounced. They have come from New York. So that's why that makes me think that they were in Connecticut. Maybe, possibly, I don't know. They don't come on, I don't know if they come on the train or they drive up or whatever, but she says that she is, that her house is being renovated and she wants to hang out at the pool house. Jocelyn explains that it is commencement weekend and she's throwing a staff party that night in Jessica Fletcher's honor. And Daphne says, well, don't worry, mother, we'll just stay in the, in the beach house. You will never know that we're there. Don't worry about it. I mean, quit acting like it's the end of the world. I mean, shouldn't you be happy that I showed up? And she hugs her and says, okay, fine. And Nick comes in and he's not a very nice dude. So you know what that means. Nice equals death. Or or not not nice, but mean pushover personality on, on murder she wrote equals death. Not nice, I'm sorry. So later that night, the party is in full swing. Um, Jessica's being complimented by random people who are probably not credited, um, who are saying, oh, I rather enjoy your books. And it's very prim and proper talk, you know, because they're literary people and they have like prim and proper ways that they do this. And at one point, somebody goes up to Bree and um, Mrs. Hayward and says, wow, what is this magnificent to oh, taste in this punch? And uh, she goes, I believe it's mango. Oh, just leave it to Jocelyn to come up with something so unusual. Yeah, because mango in punch, I guess, is unusual. But I guess this was 1985 and maybe they didn't have mango in punch. I don't know. But anyway, everyone, it's kind of like a boring party, and Jessica meets Dr. Kingdon, and uh, he says, I, I believe that I am up for the, the teaching position, but he notices that, that uh, Jocelyn is talking to Ron, and immediately is on guard with this particular um, guy. And we meet that we find out that Ron has a wife, Trish Mercer, who is also at the party. So everyone is sort of like semi enjoying themselves when we suddenly hear a scream and someone jump in the pool. They open the doors, thinking that something's wrong, to find Daphne swimming naked in the pool. I don't think she's really naked. I'm sure she's wearing something that makes her look like she's naked, but I don't know. Well, she ends up, everybody's like, oh my God, she's naked. Wow. So Jocelyn decides to close the doors and tries to get people to ignore what they've just seen. But before she can, to, um, Nick and Daphne come in. Daphne is wearing a fur coat and Nick does not have a shirt on. He comes in, he has a bottle of wine 
Um, he is asking everyone to join him in a glass. No one knows quite how to react. Um, immediately, um, Professor Hayward is not happy with his per with his appearance. Um, and then he starts dancing with Trish and Ron goes to take him, get your hands off my wife. And he ends up punching Miss Professor Mercer, knocking him down, making him bleed. And then Jocelyn tells them to leave. And just as she's about to leave, Daphne decides to open her fur coat and flash everyone at the party. Now, whether or not she's actually naked, I don't know. Doesn't really matter to me, but you know. So the party party is pretty much done after that, really. Um, later that night, Jocelyn is going to sleep and she notices that Nick and Daphne are fighting and she tells them to get out. So as she turns the lights out and is about to go to bed, for some reason, Nick comes up to her room. And we won't know what this is about until later. The next day, Jessica is jogging, as she often does. And she comes across Nick's body. He is dead. Now this, this part always confuses the hell out of me. Okay? Like, a detective is called, but this is not like your average detective. He says he works at the uni at the college and is studying to be a detective. Wouldn't they bring in a real police officer? This makes absolutely no sense. And he literally goes, hey, JB, this will be my first murder case. And it's like, uh, why? Who are you? And his name is, of course, Police Chief E. Griffin. But he's not a police chief. He, I don't know why he's credited as that. Because in the, in the um, episode, he says that he is studying to be a police detective. But he's not officially a police detective yet. So why... Would he be trying to solve this? I mean, does the university go, hey, a person who is studying to be a cop, why don't you try to solve the case? Jessica immediately says, well, he couldn't have fallen from that height because he has nothing on his shoes to indicate he actually went up there. So it looks as if he was put here to make it look like he fell out of the window at the construction site, whatever it is they're building. So, they go, um, the detective and Jessica go tell Daphne that he is dead, and she seems kind of shocked, but not really all that sad about it, and And the detective is like, well, she obviously did it. And Jessica's like, well, what would be her motivation? He said, I'm not sure yet, but my odds, the odds are on her. Guilted lover? Maybe she didn't like him anymore. 
So Jessica goes back to Mr. and Mrs. Hayward's house, and Mrs. Hayward tells the police detective that she saw Ron Mercer walking towards Jocelyn's house that night. Um, Dr. Kin, um, Dr. Kinpin, sorry, I don't know if I'm saying that right, um, comes and says that he was gone all night. He had taken the train to Boston to see his mother who is sick and he has to put her in a convalescent home, a.k.a. nursing home. And that he's so sorry that the young man, Nick, had died. Professor Hayward basically explains that Nick Fulton was not a very popular dude. Apparently, he slipped through the cracks in the college and didn't complete any grades and was often in trouble with the law. So, no one is all that broken up that he's died. Isn't that just the way in a, in a Murder, She Wrote episode? I have yet to see an episode where someone dies where people actually like the person. But anyway, um, so as they're talking to the detective at the Haywards, the phone rings, and Mrs. Hayward says, well, it's for you, detective. So they go, and they find a typed blackmail note, um, which said something along the lines of, I know what you did, and I want money, or something like that, and a bloody candlestick. Yep, I'm getting some, some clue vibes here, you know? I love that game, and I love that movie. Oh my god, it's one of my all-time favorite movies. It's so freaking hilarious. <laughs> oh, just beautiful. It just works so much. But anyway, um, they find it, and Jessica's like, well, it's obviously planted when he, um, when he arrests her. Jocelyn and them all end up in the, in, in the detective's office. So I guess he's officially a detective? I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. Um... And Daphne says that she didn't kill him. And Jessica says, well, obviously it was planted. Because why would Daphne keep the candlestick in her room? And also, why would Nick be blackmailing her or have to write a note? I mean, clearly he already knew who or what he was blackmailing her about, well, supposedly. So why would he have to leave her a note? It makes absolutely no sense. So Daphne is unfortunately in jail for a little bit. Jocelyn and Jessica go into Jocelyn's study where she says that she wrote. And Jessica's like, oh, uh, I want to type up my speech in a, like a bid to see if she's got a missing N. Or a bented, a slight bented E. Um, and she says, I did not kill him. And Jessica confronts her about Ron being seen coming to the house. She completely denies it. Later on, Jessica goes to the police, or the police station, sorry, the train station, to make sure that she can get a train to Cab Cove, where there's this annoying train dude 
who literally like does all the windows and she decides not to leave the leave her luggage with him to just check it and, and put it on herself. Well she she picks up the train station and she says, Well this well the train to Cabot Cove it's like at this time and he says that schedule was was two weeks ago. The new schedule will be coming out soon. So she says okay and she walks away. Well, as she's leaving the train station, she runs into Ron Mercer's wife and she offers her a ride. She gets in and she basically explains to Mrs. Fletcher that her and Nick had an affair. She used to tutor him because he was doing poorly with his studies and eventually he tried to go too far with her and she ended things. And Ron found out and he was furious. Jessica explains that Ron was seen headed to Jocelyn's house um, basically to and she wanted to know if it was true. His wife says no it's not true that he had stayed up. But at least at one point there was a point where he was gone. So now she's wondering if her husband killed Jocelyn. So then Jessica figures out and puts the pieces together that Daphne and Jocelyn are in cahoots, but not uh, in murder. Basically, okay, Jessica goes back to Jocelyn. She's like, look, you need to be honest with me. She was like, you're the one that's writing Daphne's books and Daphne's putting her name on them. And Jocelyn says, well, how did you figure it out? She said, well, I asked her earlier about art. And that was like a joke um, when Daphne came and crashed the party. Sorry, I forgot that part until this moment. Um, Something about, I hear Picasso's in. And she goes, well, he's dead and I'm alive or something to that effect you know, not knowing about art or something. And she says she can't put, put knows about art, but yet she talks about it a lot in her books. And Jocelyn says, well, I tried to write other books, but they didn't want them. And she said the first one, I wrote it in 15 and 15 days. And she said, I couldn't put my name on it because it would ruin my reputation. Why? So I had Daphne do it. And she said, and and she said, and that's what Nick knew about. She said, yeah, he came to my room and demanded money. And I guess I hit him with a candlestick. It was, it was me. It was Daphne. So Jocelyn goes to the police station and now she's confessing. But then Daphne comes in and says, no, my mother didn't kill him. I did. So now we have two confessions and we have no idea who the murderer is but jessica knows well not just yet she goes to the haywards and she asks the mercers to come over she basically asks ron to basically tell exactly what happened and why he went to jocelyn's that night he claims that when he went to jocelyn's or no i'm sorry so jessica goes to the hay to the haywards and um, Jocelyn has given Ron 
uh, the job that they were both up for. So Dr. Kenyon resigns. Jessica looks at the resignation and says, he resigned. That's it. So then she invites the Mercers over to the Haywards and asks Ron why he went to Joyce Jocelyn's house that night. He claims he went over there to talk about the job. Um, and then he had to meet her privately. They found um, Nick dead and apparently took his body to the construction site to make it look like he fell. And eventually, at some point that night, they made love. I don't know how in the world they fit the time in to do that, but they did. And he he literally says to his wife, one of the worst lines in television history, I swear, uh, sleeping with her wasn't part of the deal. But I had to, because I really wanted the job. I didn't mean to hurt you. Uh, wow, what a dumbass. So, if it wasn't Jocelyn who killed Nick, and it wasn't Daphne, who's left? Why, Dr. Kenyon is our killer, Ronnie McDowell. Apparently he loved Jocelyn so much, he showed up randomly without telling her, and how Jessica knew he was there was because he did not go on a train to Boston because there was no train to Boston the previous that night. But anyway... He apparently shows up to Jocelyn's house, does not tell her that he is there, and goes upstairs and sees Nick in her room. He is filled with such rage that this dude is there because he loves her so much but doesn't tell her he loves her and picks up the candlestick and kills him and runs out of the room. Jocelyn comes in thinking that Daphne killed Nick. And so, mother and daughter, in true Mother's Day fashion, decided to cover up for each other, not knowing if either one of them killed him, but decided to protect each other so that they wouldn't go to jail. But the real killer was hiding in the shadows, willing to basically frame Daphne because he felt that her books were horrible. We do not know if he goes to jail. Or if any of this can be proven. Because Jessica goes to her commencement speech on a bike. And that's the end of the episode. Wow. I like this episode because of the mother-daughter aspect. And it's a perfect Mother's Day episode. But honestly, I don't understand Ronnie McDowell's character's motivation. I mean, if you love her, why doesn't she know it? And also... He seems to be really upset when Ron mentions that they made love. It's like, what? Like, dude, at no point during the episode do you express your love for this woman. So, like, honestly, I don't know. So, it's really weird. But, you know, life goes on. It's an interesting and good episode, but it could have been just a little bit better. But let's go over the guest stars and see if anyone makes a second appearance. Polly Bergen played Jocelyn. Let's see. She died in 2014 at the age of 84. 
She's known for Crybaby, 1990, Cape Fear, 1962, Playhouse, 90, 1957, and Kisses for My President, 1964. Her last known credit is a film called Struck by Lightning. She was on Desperate Housewives as Sheila Wingfield, uh, Commander-in-Chief with Gina Davis, Touched by an Angel, um, Perry Mason movie, uh, the sitcom Baby Talk, Jake and the Fat Man, War and Remembrance, This is her only episode of Murder, she wrote. She guest starred on Fantasy Island, The Love Boat. She was in a lot of TV movies, like Death Cruise, Murder on Flight 501, or 502, Red Skeleton Hour, Ed Sullivan Show, Bob Hope Presents the Crystal Theater, Alfred Hitchcock Presents, So she was in a lot of things. Got a really awesome TV career there. She was in 85 different projects. Rest in peace, Miss Bergen. I wonder if she's Candace Bergen's mother. Probably. Um, Darlene Carr played Trish. She's still with us. She just had her birthday on December 12th, so happy birthday, happy belated birthday. Um, she is known for the original Jungle Book, 1967, with Disney. Um, Once an Eagle, which was a TV show, show, and The Streets of San Francisco, and The Beguiled, 1971. Her last one credit is a video game, Lands of Lore 2. She was in The Secret of H of N-I-M-H-2, The Real Adventures of Johnny Quest. She did some um, voiceover work. Ooh, Captain America and the Planeteers love that. Or Captain Planet and the Planeteers. Simon and Simon in Trouble Again. CBS School Break Special. Simon and Simon, The Magical World of Disney, The Greatest Adventure, Stories from the Bible, voiceover from there, Magnum P.I., oh, this is our only episode of Murder, She Wrote, G.I. Joe, she did some voice in G.I. Joe, um, Blue Thunder, Burt Maverick, Charlie's Angels, Quincy M.D., The Misadventures of Sheriff Lobo, Miss Winslow and Son, never heard of that. Barnaby Jones, The Harvey Boys, Nancy Drew Mysteries, Fantasy Island, The Oregon Trail. I did not know that that was a TV show. I loved the game growing up, although no one knows what the hell I'm talking about, but it was a fun game. Oregon Trail was so fun. Medical Center, SWAT, 1970. Chadwick Family. Marcus Welby, MD. The FBI, The Courtship of Betty's Father, 
Mayberry RFD, The John Forsythe Show, and The Littlest Hobo was her first day in 1964. So good for her. She's been in a hundred different projects. Good for her. She was good in this episode. The police chief, although he didn't do much in this episode, is played by Jack Kehoe. He died in 2020 at the age of 85. He's known for Scorpio, 1973, Midnight Run, 1998, The Sting, 1973, and The Paper, 1994. His last known credit is something called The Game in 1997. He was in the Untouchables movie. You guys start on the Twilight Zone, famed TV series. This is his only episode of Murder, She Wrote, Scarecrow and Mrs. King, Miami Vice, The Pope of Greenridge Village, Quincy, M.D., American Playhouse, Chicago Story, that was a TV movie. Um, he was on a lot of stuff, but he was good. 42 credits. Good for you, sir. June Lockhart played Mrs. Hayward. And I've seen her in several things, so... She's still alive, and she is known for... She-Wolf of London, 1946. Bury Me Dead, 1947. Lost in Space, 1998. And Lost in Space, the TV series, 1965 to 1968. Her last known credit is again Lost in Space in 2021, so she is still going. She's been on 173 different things. She gets her on Cold Case, Love That, Grey's Anatomy, used to love it, not so much now. Las Vegas, The Drew Carey Show, General Hospital, she was in a soap. Beverly Hills 90210, 1997 and 98. Johnny Bravo, 7th Heaven, Step by Step. The Rim and Stimpy Show, Roseanne as Leon's mother. Um, Babylon 5, Nurses, Full House, The New Lassie, Wildfire, Amazing Stories, Pound Puppies, Hotel, The Kobe's. This is their only episode of Murder, She Wrote. Quincy, M.D., Knott's Landing, Falcon Crest, Greatest Heroes of the Bible, Hardy Boys, Nest Drew Mysteries, Happy Days, Adam 12, Marcus Welby, M.D., Love American Style, Petticoat Junction, Beverly Hillbillies, Family Affair, Lost in Space, Red Skeleton Hour, The Alfred Hitchcock Hour, Death Valley Days, The Man from Uncle, Voyage at the Bottom of the Sea, Bewitched, Perry Mason, The Original Lassie, Lassie's Great Adventure, Wagon Train, The United States Steel Hour, okay, Rawhide, Playhouse 90, 
Have Gun Will Travel, Studio One, Shirley Temple Storybook, Robert Montgomery Presents, Science Fiction Theater, okay. See, they used to have all kinds of stuff on TV. Hallmark Hall of Fame in 1952. Wow, I didn't know that it went back that far. She was in a lot of Lassie movies. And her first role was in A Christmas Carol. But she was uncredited in 1938. So you go, girl. You are awesome. I've seen her in something. I'm sure it's like a TV movie or something. But she's good. All right, Ronnie McDowell was our murderer. Let's see if he made any more appearances on Murder, She Wrote. Uh, he died in 1998 at the age of 70. He is known for Fright Night, 1985, which came out not too long before this episode. Conquest of the Planet of the Apes, 1972. Planet of the Apes in 1968. And Overboard, 1987. His last known credit is the return of Captain Sidbad in 2001 as the narrator and Friends Are Forever Tales of the Little Princess. Godzilla cartoon series. A Bug's Life. I love that one. Superman the Animated Series is the Mad Hatter. The, the new Batman Adventures. He did a lot of voiceover work. Pinky and the Brain. Jumanji TV series. Oh, he was an unlikely angel with, with uh, Dolly Parton. Love that movie. Gargoyles, the cartoon series. Love that. And other gargoyles. Oh, apparently there was two gargoyles. I did not know that. Uh, the, uh, the Tick. Another cartoon series. Red Planet. Batman the Animated Series as the Mad Hatter. Awesome. Heart to Heart, Home is Where the Heart Is. I love, okay. Quantum Leap. Love that show. The new Lassie. Um, Nightmare Classics, Around the World in 80 Days. Cutting Glass. Madlock. Oh, he'll appear in another episode in 1989, the year I was born. He was in Fright Night 2. So we'll go over more of his credentials. Oh, he was also in the miniseries Hollywood Wives. I would like to see that. But he, he was a fantastic actor. I mean, just so good. Um, Mary Kay McGeehan played Daphne. Who was accused of murder. She is still alive. She is known for Falcon Crest, 1982-84, Voyagers, 1992, Remington Steel, 1996, and Airwolf, 1997. She's only in 23 different things. Her last known credit is Mike and Molly. She was on The Sweet Life on, the Sweet Life on Deck, Sweet Life of Zack and Cody, Smart Guy, Beverly Hills, 90210, Airwolf, Simon and Simon, Hotel, Magna P.I., only episode of Murder, Night Rider, Highway to Heaven, The Love Boat, Falcon Crest, 
Fantasy Island, the A-Team, Voyagers, Days of Our Lives, as Nurse Freda. Okay. Good for her. Morgan Stevens played our murder victim, Nick Fulton. Was he a soap opera actor? Oh, he died this year on January 26th, 6th, at the age of 70. May you rest in peace, Mr. Stevens. He is known for famed television series, 1982-84, Murder One, 1996, A Year in the Life. 1987-88, and Bare Essence, 1983. That was actually a soap opera Bare Essence that didn't actually last. Um, last known credit, Walker, Texas Ranger. In 1999. So he, I guess, retired from acting. Um, High Incident, a no no Murder One, that was a TV series. Melrose Place as Nick Diamond. A Year in the Life, The Law, and Harry McGraw. Oh, cool, he'll be in the spinoff. Um, he was in Hooray for Homicide? Really? Oh, he played Scott! No wonder he looked familiar. And he'll be in another episode of Murder, She Wrote in 1987. The bottom line is murder. Okay, well, sorry guys, I can't remember everything. I mean, he looked familiar, but I didn't, the name didn't play, so we'll go over more of his credentials when we get there. Um, Ron Mercer was played by James, oh, I can't say his last name, S-U-T-O-R-I-U-S. I have no idea. He looked familiar. To me, he is known for The Doctors, which was a soap opera from 1972 to 74, The Pretender, 1997-99, and the original Dynasty as Gordon Wells, 1984-88. His last known credit is 2020 in Die Rye? I don't know. Well, that must have been interesting. How to get rid of a body and still be friends. Okay. Southland... Cold Case, The Unit, The Original Charmed, The Original CSI, The Original ER, Judging Amy, Secret Agent Man, Diagnosis Murder, The Practice, Ally McBeal, Sliders, Sliders was good, Party of Five, that was good, X-Files, awesome, Madlock, okay, and he will appear in... Four other episodes of Murder, She Wrote, so we will go over more of his credentials then. But, unfortunately, I did not see anything that I recognized him, but I know I recognized him from something. Um, Mr. Hayward was played by John Vernon. He died in 2005 at the age of 72. He's known for Dirty Harry, 1971, National Lampoons, Animal House, 1978, Killer Clowns from Outer Space, 1988, and Airplane, Airplane 2, the sequel, 1982. Interesting. His last known credit is The Grim Adventures of Bill, Billy and Mandy. And I don't think that's possible. D-E-L-G-O, I don't know. 
in 2008. Area 51 video game. Fallout Brotherhood of Steel. Um, Batman Mystery of the Batwoman. Love that. Star Trek Kingdom Something Academy video game. The Incredible Hulk cartoon series. Awesome. Dark Duckman Private. So he did Mortal Kombat. He did a lot of Spider-Man the Animated Series. He did a lot of cartoon voiceover. Uh, Walker, Texas Ranger. Pinky and the Brain. Batman the Animated Series. I love that. Um, Doogie Hauser, MD, In the Heat of the Night. Tales from the Crypt. Awesome show. The Ray Bradbury Theater, also another good show. Dinosaurs. The Woman Who Sent, that had Susan Lucci in it. Oh, that was so good. Father Downey Mysteries. I would love to see that. War of the World miniseries. The New Adventures of Beans, Baxter. Ernest Goes to Camp. Alfred Hitchcock Presents. Um, and then Scarecrow and Mrs. King. Knight Rider. This is his only episode of of Murder, She Wrote, Airwolf, MacGyver, Hail to the Chief, The Fall Guy, Partners in Crime, uh, TJ Hooker, The A-Team, The Blue and the Gray, um, miniseries, Chips, Vegas, Herbie Goes Bananas, oh that's so cool, Delta House, National Lampoon's Animal House, he played the Dean, the Oregon Trail. Again, I did not know that this was a series. Canon, McMullen and Wife, SWAT, The Invisible Man, uh, The Swiss Family Robinson, The um, 1975, Gunsmoke, Policewoman, Ironside, The FBI, Barnaby Jones, The Six Million Dollar Man, The Solid Gold Kidnapping, the Wide World of Mystery, Mission Impossible, The Bold Ones, The New Doctors, Bonanza, Tarzan, Captain America, I didn't know they had a series for Captain America, and Iron Man, oh, cartoon series, sorry, Hulk, Again, um, the Forest Rangers, the Serial, Playdate, and his first um, movie was in 1956 and 1984 as Big Brother, but uncredited. Okay, awesome. What a long, awesome television career you had, Mr. Vernon. Um... And this, the Annoying Station Master was played by John C. Becker. He died in 1986 at the age of 71. He is known for The Gremlins, 1984, The United States Steel Hour, The Man Who Wasn't There, 1983, and Remington Steel. His last known credit is Say Yes, I guess it's a movie, 
The Facts of Life, St. Elsewhere, Murphy's Romance. And he was apparently in foot... Oh, he played the eye doctor in Footnote to Murder. But it was such a small part that I didn't recognize it. Sorry. Night Court, Benson, Newhart, Filthy Rich. Oh, that was a funny show. Um, Teachers Only, Remington Steel, Three's Company, Amanda's. That was a funny show. Different Strokes, Knots Landing, Joni Loves Chachi, Little House on the Prairie, Bosom Buddies, Honky Tonk Freeway, Charlie's Angels, Taxi, Detective School, New York Television Theater, The Patty Dukes Show, Naked City, Car 54, Where Are You, The Phil Silver Show, the Life and Legend of Walt Earp. Alright, well, good for you, sir. Alright, and that is the end of our guest stars, guys. And I have finished disc one of season one, or season two, sorry, season two. So we're getting there. I'm not going to let this take me a whole another year to do season two. I am so looking forward to getting to episodes I haven't seen. But uh hope everyone has a great day, night, depending on when you listen to this. And again, happy belated Mother's Day. And I hope it, the weather is good where you are. Um, and of course, my heart and prayers are still going out to the people affected by what is going on in Ukraine. And I hope and I pray for peace every night before I go to bed. Thank you so much for listening and for your continued support. Happy crime solving, and I'll see you in the next one.